Hello, my name is Jiwoo. Welcome to episode two of The Proxy, a podcast by UW Coffee and Code designed to be your connection to the center of the tech industry. This episode's guest is Richard Lee, mechanical engineer and designer, and my longtime roommate. Richard's experience solving mechanical engineering problems has spanned from robotics to cars and even boats, with his most recent work bringing him to his third internship at Tesla. We talk about how to get a foot in the door of mechanical engineering design experience, what his various internships at Tesla were like, and the direction his career, along with the field of mechanical engineering, is headed. If you're interested, stick around for the episode. Okay, so we're back with episode, I guess two, because we don't index at zero on this show. Um, so episode two, <laughs> episode two with, with uh, my good friend Richard. Um, Richard, who are you? What do you do, bro? Uh, You're the car guy, to me at least. Okay, I guess that's fair. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mechanical engineer, so kind of far from the usual like mm-hmm. software people on the show. I guess you got Shaq, so that no, counts I mean, as like... No, I mean, we're going to have all yeah. kinds of people on the show. You got no idea, but I'm, I'm like, I guess my field is not necessarily what people think of as when they first think about tech, but mm-hmm. I worked at a, tech co- at a tech company in quotation marks and yeah. generally have been surrounded by that kind of atmosphere, both at mm-hmm. my place of employment and at school. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what I do as an engineer, I uh, design things, design parts, <laughs> assemblies. Like that's interesting that you identify as a designer more than like an engineer. Because uh, you know, I don't really do that. I sometimes I do engineering. Other times I don't. Um, I think a lot of the stuff that I am interested in doing is like coming up with design solutions for like various various problems. Uh-huh. So. Um, I guess that is a kind of a subset of, of engineering in general, yeah. but I mean, most engineers design something, whether it's like PCBs or yeah, algorithms true. or systems. It and just also like, depends on how you define design. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like yeah. Stuff. I mean, I, in the car industry, the, the term design is like a very specific sort of subset of the process. Mm-hmm. Like most engineering is referred to as engineering, but that's a whole other whole other story. Yeah. So you're a you were a, you've interned three times. Yes. a total of like a year of working experience at yeah. the infamous Tesla. Yeah. The one, the only. Um, but I want to start the episode before you got there, sort of the the pre-Richard of Tesla. Um, when you first got into Tesla, that was like what? Your, it was two years ago? It was like my fourth co-op term, so it was January 2018, yeah. so coming up to two years right. ago. And so, so before that, you, as far as I knew, you were not someone who worked on cars all that often. So no. how does one go from like having literally no experience making cars to working at like the the car company? You know what I mean? Good question. Well, I've always kind of had an interest in cars. I mean, yeah. I followed a lot of Formula One when I was in high school, and I still follow Formula One to this day. But I think a lot of the skills people think about when it comes to designing cars, only a couple of them are like specific to cars mm-hmm. in general. Like I'd say things like um, like vehicle dynamics, for example, is something that's like very specific to four-wheeled cars that use a certain type of steering, but like just generally designing stuff and like making parts like physics is the same kind of across all industries. So <laughs> physics is little did you know actually <laughs> physics is the same across the entire So if world. you understand like how to like <laughs> like I don't know, like if you understand how to like make things or how forces are transferred and generally like that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it all applies relatively well to cars. And mm-hmm. a lot of stuff at car companies too is like um, a lot of people don't work on like the car itself. They work on like the thing that makes the car or like um, quality control for the car, et cetera. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I you mean, started in robots, right? 
Yeah, I started in robotics when I was in high school. I was on a first robotics team. Shout out first robotics. But yeah. <laughs> um, and the kind of stuff Paradox. I learned, I learned there, there was like um, a lot of like CAD design, manufacturing, working with your hands. And all that stuff is pretty transferable to cars or to like anything that really um, is physical and you have to like make move or not move or something. So those skills are pretty are pretty transferable. Like in my interviews, they don't really ask me about like car specific things. They're always just like, oh, um, is there technical portions of like an interview at Tesla? It depends on. It's very dependent on the comp- on the team. I think my experience varies varied a lot from other people. Oh really? Okay. But um, I think it's like uh, pretty much like it's, it varies a lot. But mm. my my first interview for my first uh, position there was like not technical at all. It was more just like, what have you done? Uh, here, what have like, you done? What have you done? Like, I can't believe this. What have you done? <laughs> yeah, like, what have you done? Um, why do you want to work here? And then some stuff yeah. more. It was mostly behavioral, actually, which I think was unique to how my manager at the time liked to hire mm. people. And then my second, like the, I didn't re-interview for my second internship because I went back to the same team. But for my third one, it was like very much like first principles, physics stuff, like and like mechanics stuff. It's like, oh, you have a beam, uh, bending stress, like where does it break, stuff like that, wow. energy, energy and whatnot. No wonder you do so much better on those exams than I do because <laughs> you actually have to answer those questions to make a living. <laughs> Who'd have thought, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, so you ended up doing the Tesla term. Did you do it while you were working at Sailbot the first time you worked there? Was that before? Uh, that was, I mean, I started on DW Sailbot like in 2016. And then during my first term there, I was like, uh, kind of on the team, but not really on the team doing as much because I was pretty far away and et cetera. But then when I got back from my first four term of Tesla, that was when we hit like our peak, like, oh, nothing is done yet. We have to build a boat. So we <laughs> did that stuff for like two months. And then so since- how valuable was that? Like exclusively to, to working at Tesla, like the sailbot stuff? Um, or just, I, I guess, I even for student design teamwork in general? I don't think it really matters which team you decide to go on um, specifically. Okay. Because a lot of them, I mean, if you're obviously if you're on like a formula team, like formula electric or formula gas, then a lot of those skills are obviously immediately transferable. But I think what employers and interviewers want to see is that you have like the ability to deliver on some sort of project from beginning to end or to like be a member of a team and design things. Because I feel like in class, you don't really get that opportunity to show off like, like working through an actual engineering problem. It's more just like solving for stresses and forces and whatnot, which is not representative of the workflow. And school, there's no stakes, right? Like Yeah, no there's no stakes. There's yeah. no there's a timeline, but the timeline is like, you know, you just do practice problems by a certain day, you write the final, you write the midterm. Yeah. There's very few like key yeah. deliverables in the school timeline. Yeah, and the really? stakes are I think this for school the stakes are a lot higher because you have because like you don't you're paying a lot of money to be there. But for student teams, the stakes are entirely self imposed or mm-hmm. they're imposed based on your loyalty to the team. So it varies a little bit because like you don't really have to do a student team, but um, if you commit to doing a student team, then like it's sort of a moral thing whether or not you do it. Whereas like with school, if you don't do anything for school, then well, it's like that's you, also a moral thing. Like well, whether or not there's you value a, there's a financial stake though, right? Where like you pay, yeah, you're paying yeah. this money to go to school and get your degree. Whereas like you're not really paying to show up for like formula or sailbot or something. So, mm-hmm. so would you recommend it to people? Student design teamwork. Yeah, especially if you haven't had the ability to do, like, um, if you haven't had the chance or opportunity to do that kind of work beforehand. I was fortunate enough that I was able to do competitive robotics in high school with a team that was relatively well resourced compared to other teams. So, mm-hmm. like, we had a lot of, we were able to, like, learn a lot of stuff that is not necessarily, like, available to everyone. But if you're an engineering student and you want to get into this kind of field, then definitely do a student team because a lot of them, the good ones at least, will have 
pretty good training programs for people who are like completely new and have no idea oh, what really? to do. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Well, they should. Um, <laughs> a lot of some should. teams, some of the smaller teams obviously don't have like very in-depth training programs, but like in those small teams, you get the advantage of like there's it's very easy for you to move up and get a lot of responsibility very early on. Mm-hmm. There's no like, there's not like 15 other people who all want the same like director role or something. So yeah. it's, that's nice in that regard, but it requires you to be a lot more like self starting and take the initiative and whatnot mm-hmm. to learn stuff on your own. Cool. So after all that, all the heavy lifting, after you paid your dues, you made it to the big T. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that sounds weird calling it sounds super tea. weird. Um, but you did, you, so you made it there. You worked there once, not twice, but three times. Yeah. What did you do? So you did the same thing twice for, yeah, I did the same thing twice. So my first time, actually, uh, the experience wasn't that great. Really? I feel like I didn't, early on, it wasn't that great for the first like, uh, two or three months. A lot of like, uh, at the time that was like peak model three ramp up. So everyone was like running around with like a chicken with their head cut off. And so everyone was like putting out <laughs> fires left and right. Yeah. So when I was there, it was just kind of like, uh, I felt I didn't really have any sort of responsibility, but towards the end, it gave me like a big project and I felt like, oh, this is like pretty interesting and not, and not like, um, just like busy work. Really? In the state of like firefighting, they didn't ask they you to gave come me some help stuff, put out the but, fires. um, my team wasn't responsible necessarily for that, right? Like we were, ah, okay. like things really hit the fire, like after I left in the summer when they did the tent. <laughs> oh god the tent the so tent, I wasn't the there for that tent. so I kind of was in between where they were still trying to get the factory to do stuff and I did do some work at the factory but I'm not really uh, a factory person I don't really enjoy doing the factory stuff yeah and so, yeah and then when I came back the second time it was kind of out of laziness and also out of like a lack of options because um, like I said I was going to go back and then during the summer they had a big hiring freeze and so that was I found out about that after I had after I had verbally agreed to go back and work there but after Waterloo Works had closed deadlines. So I was like, okay, so if this doesn't pan out, I have like, I have, have I, no I missed like every opportunity to apply. Uh, and I got really panicked, but then it all worked out and I ended up going back. Uh, just I wanted to see like what it was like to do it for real. And my second time was a lot more rewarding, I think, because I did more like, um, I felt like I did more important stuff and stuff that was actually like relevant to the company and the team as a whole. So mm-hmm. that was and nice. that's, that's valuable to you, like the having contributing value to the company. Yeah, I feel like I would, as much as I joke about just wanting to be paid to sit there and do nothing, I do have some <laughs> semblance, I do have some <laughs> desire to like output something into the world. So it was nice to it's a hard work to on something sometimes. that was like um, more relevant and like actually did matter, which is nice. Mm. And then that led me to me getting my third internship there, which was something that was kind of a pipe dream at the time. Cause, and then like I ended up getting it after yeah. all. But if I hadn't gone back, I doubt I would have pursued uh, going back for the third time, which was probably my most rewarding experience. So you worked at the design studio yeah. in LA yeah. uh, for Tesla. Did you know that design studio existed in your first co-op? Like, did you even know that was an option? I'd heard about it from some people. Like, it's kind of a, it's a very small place. Like, mm. Tesla has like 30,000 employees, I think, but only like <laughs> people work at the design studio. So it's a really, really people? I would say like max like uh, Don't quote oh me God. on that. It's pretty small, um, and like, for good including, reason. Including, like, that's the entire headcount there. Yeah, like across the engineers. entire building. Oh wow! Like, there's like engineers there. I think it's, it's not a very it's a very small knit team. Okay, I'm not sure if they'll let me say that, but it's fine. It's, it's pretty small. I mean, most car studios are pretty small generally because of what goes on there. They don't want people seeing things before sense. they're ready to be shown to the world. Um, but yeah, my third time there, I worked at the design studio, basically working on a team that uh, was responsible for early stage engineering. So. Um, 
most time, most car, most car companies, they'll have like a design team, which is like, I, I watched an episode with Chris Carnuff and he talked a lot about what design means. Yeah. So um, in like the car world, the automotive world, I guess, design is like the design team essentially just like their job is to deliver the exterior and interior concepts for the car, like the shape and ever, all of that. And then like the designers specifically usually draw stuff and make sketches and mood boards and concepts and themes. And then it gets modeled by mm. modelers into complex like 3D surfaces that can then be sent off to like engineering where we basically build out like everything in between the exterior shell and the interior shell, like where components go, like where all the, basically everything that you can't see under the hood mm -hmm. is like what engineering is responsible for as well as like stuff like tweaking aerodynamics. And like, and like making the car actually drive. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. So <laughs> the, the important stuff. Well, yeah, it's a relatively small team. Most car companies will have studios, but they're usually, um, they're usually all, they're almost all pretty small because yeah. of just the nature of the work. And like, I feel like I would never, I never really hear about them or like see, like, you know, Tesla, the Gigafactory and the tent is always on the news, but no one's ever really talking about it. The that. studio only really shows up when they do unveils there. Um, oh, is like, that where it's done? Usually their unveils are done at oh, the okay. studio or like in a building, like literally 10 feet away from the studio. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so like Model Y, Roadster, Semi-Truck, they're all happened mm -hmm. at the studio or like within a block of the studio. Mm -hmm. So on the topic of all those unveils and things, there's a lot of there's a lot of turmoil that goes along with all those kinds of things. And and this is just I want to ask you for you, not the company as a whole, but does like having a company that works in the public eye, does it affect you a lot? Did you find it bothered you? Um, not really. I think. I mean, really? um, obviously, some people don't like. Some people might not like it, but I didn't really mind it. Like company in the public eye too is like it's. It's nice to know that the things you work on will genuinely like be seen by people and mm. people will genuinely have like react strongly to them in, in either way. And it's kind of hard to think of like car companies that release something and people have as strong a take as like, like Tesla. Like if Ford releases a new focus, not that many people care. <laughs> but if some Tesla releases a new car, people, people oh, yeah, definitely a lot of people do will be very up in arms. Like, and it's not just like the, the automo, the automotive sector, right? Like people in tech also yeah. like to track about like what happens. Yeah. At the at that kind of company, so actually, then here's a question for you: Do you think Tesla is a tech company or a car company? It's a company. I, I, these words are <laughs> these words are so. Like, it's just I a like, company. I mean, the term automobile company is like a very well defined term. It's like, do you produce automobiles? Yes or no? Okay. Like, do you the tech company is like, do you produce technology? Yes or no? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Like, is an oil and gas company a tech company because they do technology for drilling, right? That's like, true. it's a very. I don't know. I mean, technically, if. If you consider, if like you consider like cruise automation or like, um, Waymo, a tech company because they make self-driving cars, then any company with a self-driving arm, like in the company is automatically a tech company. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, it's, it, they're, they're in Silicon Valley. So they're automatically a tech company as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. Like I don't really, these boundaries are so yeah. meaningless to me. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So then, you know, there's a lot of, uh, hubbub about tech companies. And I'm sure when you were applying to Tesla, a lot of it came from, I'm sure you'd heard about the company a lot from other people and they set a lot of expectations. Like I know plenty of, you know, people who are applying to work there have these kind of crazy expectations about what it's like to work there. Did it end up being what you expected it to be? Was it a pleasant surprise, a negative kind of thing? I think if you follow the company's history, like generally most things they do are like, do not go as play plan the first time, like Model S, Model X, Model 3, they're all kind of like, I you feel know, like the Model S came out pretty. Model S came out strong, but then production was like, you know, like oh, historically yeah. a disaster. But, but I mean, it was a good problem to have, right? Like they came out with a car; yeah. it was so popular that they couldn't meet the demand. I mean, having worked there and talked to people who have worked there in different teams, I think your experience varies a lot 
from team to team. Like there are certain teams I feel like they're more isolated from kind of like the craziness of some other teams. Like working at the studio was definitely like very crazy because you were like immediately at the forefront of like what Elon wanted to do with the company. So uh, in that regard, it moves really fast and it was really cool, but it definitely didn't have like, like, like there's obviously like a trickle down of, of things that happen. By the time like a car makes it to like, a project makes it to a certain stage, it becomes like more or less like they're going to do it. But at certain, certain, some certain teams, it's like that state, that state is like super late in their process of development. So it's like it could get axed at any time, which is a thing for all companies too. Like I'm sure you know, oh, yeah. like game studios, Definitely. like sometimes a game will get pretty far along and they're like, oh, yep. we don't Add want to do this anymore. Maybe we'll make Red Dead four different times and then we'll just axe yeah. it four different times. Yeah. So I think it varies a lot depending on what, on what team you're on. And, uh, and generally I feel like there are, um, Mm-hmm. like things that are cool working at Tesla and there are things that are just like, oh, other companies basically do the same thing. Like if you're into like electric powertrain, it's kind of hard to find a company that is doing the same stuff. But if you're more into like, um, I don't know, like like web services or something, you work for like Tesla energy websites or whatever, then it's like you can find that experience and gain that gain those skills at like a hundred other companies. Did you expect the craziness like going into the thing? I mean, yeah, I think... Really? I think so. I always thought Tesla was a company that had it together. I don't think so. I think that perception changes a lot. Uh, I think it, it's also like even now reading, reading things on the internet, people talk about the company and it's just like, oh, sometimes it's like people think that the company, I feel like the company is like 15 steps ahead of everyone else and people yeah. think the company is like 15 steps behind more or less. It's kind of in the middle. Like it's just a, it's just a company at the end of the day. It's not like it's some. It's just a company. It's just a company. Like they do, they have, there's like, you know, some, some points where they're like, you know, playing catch up a little bit, some points when they're not playing catch up. So it's mm-hmm. like things change a lot. But it's also a relatively young company. And for an automotive company, it's pretty unique in there because they're not like big, big yet in terms of like scale because they're not like Ford or GM or anything. But they're not like small. Like, mm-hmm. um, like I think they recently surpassed BMW in volume production. So, volume? or something. Really? BMW also isn't a big company, right? They make like, yeah, all their they cars make are a lot of cars. Like they make the same, like a large number of a bunch of well-known. But they're cars. yeah, but they're all like relatively expensive cars, right? Like that's compared true. to BMW's numbers to Toyota's numbers, and it's yeah. like oh, it's oh like yeah, that's no contest, true. right? Oh, interesting. I always maybe it's because we live in affluent first-world yeah. economy that we see BMWs everywhere. But also, I don't think they're owned by a larger conglomerate. They're not like owned by Daimler or anything, yeah. so it's a little bit different. That makes sense. Interesting. Do you think Tesla's ever going to get acquired? Speaking on the larger thing, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. That's like a very hard question to answer. I don't, it's also like not really my expertise, field yeah. of expertise. It's also not your problem. It's not my problem, yeah. yeah. Cool. So then for all the, because you know there's people who are dying to, dying to work there, um, what would you tell them, you know? Uh, like, what, what, would, what did you I, wish that you knew when you were going into it? I think that the most important thing in general, like for jobs in general, is to like yeah. look at what the job is specifically mm-hmm. rather than like who you're working for, which I think is probably pretty important. Like there are a lot of jobs that I've seen at companies that have big names, but don't particularly interest me or appeal to me. And I think like if you're going to do something for 40 hours a week, even for four months temporarily, you should at least like kind of be interested in it. So if you're going to apply for Tesla, make sure it's like a job or like a field that you actually want to pursue rather than just like doing it for the name, which I think should be true of most companies. You'd be surprised. Like, 
Yeah, if you don't have anything better to do or like you don't know yeah. what that is, then sure, try something and see what you get and then move from there. But if you know what you want to do, I don't think you should, uh, yeah. unless you have any, don't have any other better options than like, you know. It's a big ask though, knowing, you know, knowing kind of what you want to do as a career. Fair yeah. enough. Or and at I least think you're, like. You're, you're struggling with it right now, right? You and I both, you know, yeah. trying to figure out what we want. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So what are you looking for in the future? Like, what are you trying to do? Because I, I know you considered a lot of things like furniture design <laughs> and like a bunch of other weird design stuff, which is like not necessarily bad, right? And it's nice to jump ship from, you know, something you're comfortable with to something you're not. Are you st- you're not going to stick to cars, though. I don't think I really see a future for myself in the automotive industry, or at least like, um, I feel like those companies, especially like if they become legitimate, <laughs> not saying Tesla's not legitimate, but like if they come get to a certain size, it becomes yeah. like, it inevitably becomes like very bureaucratic and very like top heavy because mm. just producing cars is like a monumental task. So especially at large volumes. So eventually I think it'd become too big for me to really enjoy working there. Um, but I don't know, maybe like something in the micro mobility space perhaps. Cause I feel like those companies or that kind of dynamic is actually, this sounds really corny, but like changing things. Like after li- having lived in Los Angeles for four months, like you really do see that having scooters around makes things so much easier. Like you can get from like Santa Monica to down like um, Abbott Kinney in Venice, and it's not like a twenty dollars Uber ride. It's yeah. like a relatively well, I mean, enjoyable. So Shaq and I were just talking about this, and then like this is a problem that we're solving because of technology. Like Uber has come into cities and like increased traffic congestion so much that someone had to go out and make a company to fix that problem, right? <laughs> Although I don't think that's necessarily true. I think. Um, Although there's like a larger systemic issue of like public transportation being extremely underfunded, but that problem like definitely predates Uber. So I think you can't give yeah, them all true. the blame for that. Like in LA, mm-hmm. even before Uber, LA was a car city and it mm-hmm. continues to be a car city. So anything that makes it less of a car city, I think is nice. And as a city yeah. person, uh, I think that even though they can, if, if at the extreme they become like public hazards and like, extremely like, you know, dangerous and like just garbage on the road at, at a certain level, there's a balance where they become genuinely helpful for a lot of people who don't have access or like to cars or the, mm-hmm. um, like the affluence to buy a car or to constantly pay for Ubers. Yeah. So that's interesting to me, especially in areas where like it, it's way easier to deploy a scooter feet than it is to build a subway line. So yeah, like it's a real, it's a solution that can be implemented pretty quickly and is relatively scalable. It seems. Do you think it's going to stick to the scooter form factor? Like, cause I know, I almost feel like scooters came birthed as like the next step of the boosted board, right? Like the public boosted board turned yeah. into a scooter. But do you think it's going to stick to scooters? I think scooters are the most accessible and they're also the most compact. Like a bicycle is relatively large and pretty heavy. Mm. A scooter is pretty small and most people can ride a scooter within like a couple of minutes. Whereas like skateboarding, if yeah. everything we're just wearing, was just walking around with boosted boards, oh man, that would be, that'd be disaster. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be terrible. <laughs> but a scooter is like, you can pick up a scooter and ride it within like, most people can ride it with like, within like a couple of minutes. Whereas, mm boosted boarding or skateboarding in general, like it's a lot less hard to pick up. So I think they're in the kind of weird form. They're in that spot where it's accessible for most people and it's not very big and they're relatively easy to mass produce. So I think that's, they'll probably be successful in the future or like they'll probably stick that form factor for a while. Yeah. Well, there you go. You heard it here first. Scooters are the next hot take. Tesla's old news. Four wheeled cars. We're done with that kind of stuff. We're moving on to two wheels. Yeah. Cool. I think we're almost just about out of time. We got like a couple minutes left. So Richard, I want to thank you for coming on, talking about the struggle coming up all the way from building robots all the way to making cars and then going back down to making small things like scooters. Well, I don't have any offers lined up yet. So it's just yeah. like, this is all um, hearsay, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, if people yeah. out there are listening, he needs a job. 
I do my job. <laughs> you do your job. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. And I guess we'll see you all in the next episode. Bye-bye. All right. That's the end of episode two of The Proxy. We hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you heard, follow us wherever you found us and give us a shout on Facebook. This episode is sponsored by the University of Waterloo's Mathematics Endowment Fund and, of course, UW Coffee & Code. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next one.